Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. When you want to learn about postpartum weight loss from an expert in weight management, well, you are in luck because that is exactly who we have in today's episode of the podcast where I chat with Dr. Katie Brown. And this episode is being supported by BAM Boobies. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. 
Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 175. Thank you for being here with me today. In today's episode, we have Dr. Katie Brown. She is a board certified endocrinologist and obesity medicine specialist. She is the obesity medicine director at the Weight Management Institute in Corvallis, Oregon. She is passionate about helping her patients optimize their health and wellness through evidence-based medicine and lifestyle chains. And she herself is a mom. She delivered her first baby in July of 2021. Y'all, when I tell you that this conversation is packed with so much good information, it is packed with so much good information. We are going to chat about why postpartum weight management is important. You're going to learn why BMI is not a great tool. There are other tools that can be used. You will hear her advice on when you should start thinking about losing that postpartum weight. It may surprise you what she says. She's going to share exactly how much weight you really lose with rest feeding a reasonable pace for weight loss, how often you should weigh yourself. We chat about using apps, our hormones important, supplements. We go through it all. There is so much great information in this conversation. You're gonna love it. She has a really positive approach to weight loss and I'm just grateful that she's gonna come on and you are gonna get all this goodness today. Now, before we get into the episode, a quick word about our episode supporter, Bamboobies. Bamboobies was created by a mom who was really frustrated at the lack of reusable and comfortable nursing pads. And Bamboobies combines a smart design with baby and mom-friendly materials to provide worry-free, effective products that support and empower every mom at every stage of her motherhood journey. Now, they have these great washable nursing pads that provide leak protection all day with a super soft, seamless design and leak-proof liner. It's the number one sustainable washable nursing pad. It's designed with super soft velour that is made from renewable bamboo that's great for the environment. The heart-shaped pads are great for cupping your breast and being less visible under clothing, no matter your cup size. And the round pads allow for more surface area protection and is great for those heavier leaks, particularly at night. And the pads are also soft and comfortable on sensitive skin. So head to bamboobies.com, B-A-M-B-O-O-B-I-E-S.com. Use the code ALLABOUT, A-L-L-A-B-O-U-T, and get 40% off full price items. That is a lot. So 40% off full price items. That code is valid through October 23rd. All right, let's get into the conversation with Dr. Katie Brown. so much, Dr. Brown, for agreeing to come on to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. And I know this is a topic that is going to resonate with folks. I so appreciate you having me on. I've been waiting for this moment for a while and <laughs> it's exciting to be here with you. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your work and your family, if you'd like. Absolutely. My name is Katie Brown, as you already said, and I'm a board certified endocrinologist and obesity medicine specialist. And uh, for a while, I was practicing general endocrinology, so that's mostly diabetes, thyroid, osteoporosis, hormones, as you know. 
Um, and I found that I just really loved uh, working in the metabolic side of endocrinology and focusing on weight management and the implications of, of what excess uh, weight can do as far as type 2 diabetes and high cholesterol, high blood pressure, things like that. So I solely focus on that in my practice now. Um, I am married. I have a nine-month-old son. And so very pertinent to our topic that we're talking about today is I, you know, I practice weight management every day in clinic, but then at the same time, uh, having gone through it myself and being kind of right in the middle of it actually right <laughs> now, um, uh, has been especially helpful uh, for me to, to kind of speak, uh, on my own personal experience as well. Um, I practice mostly telemedicine and oh, interesting. Um, so my husband, yeah, my husband and I actually live physically in Montana, um, but I'm the obesity medicine director for a hospital in Oregon, uh, Good Samaritan. So uh, the pandemic uh, had kind of allowed uh, more of that flexibility as far as uh, where we live. Okay, awesome, awesome. So why don't you tell us a bit about the training and certification that goes into being both an endocrinologist and an obesity medicine specialist? I like people to have a bit of a background as to what type of training experts have when they come on the show. Absolutely. So um, as many people are aware, uh, you need uh, four years of undergraduate work and then about four years of medical school and then residency. So I did an internal medicine residency, which is three years long at University of Colorado. And then an endocrinology fellowship can be two to three years, depending on if you're going a clinical tract versus a research-oriented tract. Um, so two years of endocrinology fellowship. And then on top of that, the obesity medicine certification, it's uh, through the American Board of Obesity Medicine. And you can get the required hours through your fellowship, um, as long as you're, of course, working closely with an obesity medicine specialist in your fellowship training. Or if outside of your fellowship, you don't get those hours, you can get in your hours through uh, CME conferences, uh, things like that before you can sit for the board exam. So there's a couple of different pathways to getting that certification. Um, it's becoming more and more popular as more and more physicians are realizing that we really uh, need to, to, to try to help uh, folks uh, with weight. Um, and so uh, there's all kinds of specialties that can uh, become board certified in obesity medicine. Um, so yeah, it's quite a bit of training, uh, just like a lot of us go through. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. So we are going to talk all about postpartum weight management. So first off, why don't we talk a little bit about why is thinking about your weight postpartum important and does it have implications for your long-term health? Yeah. So we, we know that excessive gestational weight gain and weight retention uh, predict a higher BMI uh, later and that that confers an increased risk of, of cardiovascular risk factors such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, uh, all of these things. So, so we do know that, that there's long-term implications um, when we refer to uh, postpartum weight retention. And it's similar to, to you know, women who are, who are not pregnant or are not going through uh, pregnancies. And that uh, we know that if we're carrying um, excess adiposity, especially in the abdominal uh, region, what we call the visceral adiposity around the organs, then that can really increase uh, our long-term risk of uh, cardiovascular complications, especially. So 
So we are, are hoping to uh, help to decrease those risk factors as much as is possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, this is sort of a side question, but you brought up BMI. And I know folks sometimes have a lot of um, concerns about BMI and whether that's like the greatest indicator of health. Should we be thinking about BMI in a different way? Or is that just one piece of the puzzle? What are your thoughts about BMI and how we use that number? Yeah, it's it's definitely um, not a perfect screening tool. That is for sure. <laughs> so, so we know that BMI, um, which uh, for your listeners, it's a measure of your body weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. Um, and so it's a ratio. And as a screening tool in medicine, it's really good for uh, the population at large to help uh, healthcare providers and physicians kind of get an additional an initial idea about do we need to look into risk factors uh, further by by marker of BMI. Um, it's most certainly not a perfect screening tool, meaning the BMI um, doesn't tell us where we are storing excess adiposity if we have excess adiposity. So kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier, where we store excess adiposity is important as far as the, the visceral adiposity, abdominal adiposity. Um, and it also, you know, doesn't tell us uh, what the muscle mass is, what the mm-hmm. lean tissue is. So um, we certainly can have an ele- a falsely elevated BMI in individuals who do not carry excess adiposity and, and just have quite a bit of muscle mass. And so it's always a clinical diagnosis too. So we don't want to just go based off the of BMI, but we also want to go based off of what's happening clinically. Um, a lot of times, uh, and this is becoming more and more popular, Dr. Ringens, where um, more and more clinics are getting uh, body composition analysis. So, mm. you know, we've got gold standard underwater weighing, uh, which, you know, that's <laughs> very uh, difficult to do and, and, and uh, not a lot of centers have that capacity. But we well, I'm have, sorry, you um, weigh people under underwater? Yeah, you can. So there's an underwater, the gold standards and used to be this underwater weighing where you're uh, looking at um, lean tissue versus adipose t- tissue. And I haven't looked at kind of exactly the the science behind that right. in a long time. Um, but now we have bioelectrical impedance, which if you get a medical grade bioelectrical impedance, then that is pretty strongly correlated with with accuracy. And then we also have DEXA scans, which tell us very accurately what's adiposity, what's lean tissue. We've got bod pods, which is using the displacement of, of air. <laughs> um, those are more expensive equipment, but most clinics now have um, bioelectrical impedance, medical grade uh, devices in their office now. And that can give us a much better idea of really what's happening with adiposity versus lean tissue, um, much better than the BMI alone. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I think it's important to think about it from a big picture perspective and not just from that single number, it sounds like. You are absolutely correct. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So getting back to postpartum weight loss. So after you have a baby, you know, you got 15,000 things going on. When do you think someone should start like thinking about, Hey, I know I've gained this weight during pregnancy. When, when should they start thinking about losing the weight postpartum? Like many things, I want to encourage women to to really kind of individualize their 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 certain situations. There's so many different scenarios that can play out here, and so it's really important to kind of say like, what it, where am I at right now, and what is feasible for me with mm-hmm. all these million things happening, just like what you said. So, um, but 
But I also want to say that from that perspective, I think it's really important to, if you're going to breastfeed, for example, to make sure that you're getting your breastfeeding established for your, for your baby, your milk supply in and getting into a really good routine with that. I, I don't um, think that focusing on strongly on weight loss is, is going to be super beneficial prior to, to getting the breastfeeding um, schedule uh, up and running. I, I would say that um, potentially after that 12-week marker, if women wanted to start a little bit more strongly about like, okay, where am I at and, and what are my goals here and, and start coming up with a plan at that point in time. Some women are going to be ready a lot sooner than that. Some women are not going to be ready because of all the things happening in their life. But but certainly we know that we've got to take baby steps in that direction. Um, most of us need to take baby steps in that direction um, in order to come up with a good plan to health, healthfully uh, lose some of that uh, weight gain that we had during pregnancy. Yeah, I, I love that you said, like, just chill for a minute and like, yeah. get some other things established. <laughs> and then at, at 12 weeks, that's three months, y'all, you know, <laughs> then start thinking about it. Like, don't feel, yes, it's an important thing, but don't the whole, I think about that in the whole like snap back culture where it's like, oh, you know, I'm back to my pre-pregnancy genes three seconds after I had a baby or whatever on Instagram. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah. it sounds like you're saying just, just, you know, don't feel like you have to buy into that for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Chill, chill for a minute. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. Uh, now, speaking of breastfeeding, does breastfeeding really help a lot with postpartum weight loss? I know it can, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it, it's we kind of think of it as as maybe slight to moderate benefit. So, and and I kind of experienced this firsthand. Um, I am still breastfeeding, and um, my own personal. Uh, experience with it has been that, wow, it makes me really, really hungry. So my appetite just absolutely skyrocketed during mm. breastfeeding. So I want to kind of keep that in mind. But yes, the studies do show that there is slight benefit. So um, there was one study in particular that I thought was interesting. Um, they noted that there was a 1.1 pound postpartum weight retention um, benefit at three years for women exclusively exclusively breastfeeding for six months versus 10.5 pounds for those who never exclusively breastfed. Okay. So, you know, um, 10.5 pounds weight retention on average versus 1.1 
uh, pounds weight retention at, at that six month marker. So, or after three years, if okay. you did exclusive breastfeeding for six months. So, okay. I mean, well, that, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just add it to the list of one of the other things that can help, but don't think that because you're breastfeeding that suddenly the weight is just going to like drop off. Like exactly. it's not a, a, a magic, a magic cure. Exactly. And, and kind of like, again, going along with my own personal experience, I was like, wow, this, uh, my appetite is just through the roof mm-hmm. when I'm breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So I, so kind of similarly, like, I think a lot of women, maybe some women's expectations are if I'm going to breastfeed, then the weight's just going to melt off. And that's not the experience of most most women yeah. breastfeeding, I would say. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So someone has gotten to the point where they're thinking about, they're ready to start focusing on um, losing weight postpartum. What are, what are three strategies you recommend for folks? Yes. So um, kind of going along with giving yourself some grace and some patience in that postpartum period, it's a really, really difficult time for many reasons. And so number one, um, I would like women to focus on what they can do and not what they can't do. Mm -hmm. So practicing gratitude for what your body, uh, just did. Um, and, and realizing that, um, we're not aiming for perfection here and there's going to be a lot of things happening in your life. So focusing on what you can do, um, is, is really number one. Um, number two is I, I would definitely want to emphasize whole foods. So this is the same for for people who are are not in the postpartum period, but we want to focus on whole foods that are nutritious and really trying to limiting processed foods as much as we can, processed foods and sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, And that can be a little difficult. I know, again, kind of, I do this for a living and, and firsthand experience especially in that first trimester of pregnancy, I didn't necessarily crave that whole nutritious foods that <laughs> I had been eating all before. <laughs> and then similarly, kind of in the postpartum period, um, you know, in the middle of the night, I remember getting up and, and uh, breastfeeding and just being so hungry and not necessarily reaching for, uh, you know, a nice whole food nutritious snack. Sometimes I was reaching for some processed foods. Um, and, and so, I definitely consciously had to make that effort to say, you know, this is not the most healthiest food for me right now. It's not going to nourish my body and uh, my baby through breast milk in the best way. So I'm going to try to reach for whole foods as much as possible. So that's kind of um, really a really simple way to approach things like, all right, I'm going to try to to limit my processed foods and choose really healthy, nutritious whole foods as much as possible. Yeah. And then number three is move your body in ways that feel good to you. So, um, a lot of my patients, I think, um, unfortunately kind of downplay the, what they're doing. So for example, they might say, oh, I only went for a 15 minute walk a couple of days per week, the last couple of months. And, mm-hmm. and they'll say it like that. Right. And my response is always is, oh, wow, it, you, you still got that done and you still benefited from that. Everything counts. So, so move your body in ways that feel good and, and try not to minimize or downplay what you are doing because everything counts as far as moving your body and, and doing that in ways that feel good to you. And then I was also saying to prioritize sleep, which real, real hard. (laughs) (laughs) Real, real hard, but, but sleep plays a big role in weight and metabolism, mm. energy, all these things. 
So, so there might be a lot of moms out there rolling their eyes because uh, sleep can be, you know, so difficult, um, especially with an infant. But, but my, what I'm saying is do the best that you can and just right. realize that wherever you can, whenever you can try to sleep um, as much as you can. Yeah, I think that is just I'm I'm so glad you said that because I really don't think people understand how important rest can be for your overall health including your weight. And that's actually I, I don't I don't I don't want to say it's a simple thing cuz it's always not necessarily simple, but it doesn't require like, you know, you're not out running and doing different things. You just have to like be intentional about getting some more rest. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, and and it's so hard, right? To to your maybe your baby is sleeping, and you have a million things that you want to do, but you're super tired. And and I know that sometimes the last thing that you want to do is maybe try to take a brief cat nap or or go to bed early. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so so important for health and weight and metabolism. Yep, love it, love it, love it. So once people are starting to lose weight, what is a reasonable pace for losing weight? You know, mm-hmm. like a couple pounds a week or a pound a week. What it, what do you what do you think is reasonable for folks? Especially in this really sensitive postpartum period, I I would say about one pound uh, per week is reasonable. Typically, even in the non postpartum period, you know you'll hear physicians quote uh, one to two pounds one to two pounds per week. That comes from some pretty old data, actually, that that says that one pound of adiposity is roughly about 3,500 calories. I think that that data needs to be revamped and re-looked into again, but that's where it comes from to say about if you create about a 500 calorie per day deficit, then that can lead to about one pound per week weight loss, one to two pounds. Um, so, so I think one pound per week um, in the postpartum period is reasonable. Okay. Realizing too that this is not a linear process. So a lot of people might picture, okay, this is going to be a nice steady curve, real mm-hmm. linear as far as, and it's not <laughs> at all. It's this squiggly roller coaster line process. So, so it's not linear. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> it's definitely going to be ups and downs yeah. and you don't want to like get disappointed when you see things kind of have that, that squiggly line. Yep. Um, and so, and sort of related to that, how often do you even in general recommend that folks weigh themselves? Yeah, I really try to individualize this recommendation. Um, there is definitely a, a, a great deal of data that shows that um, folks that are monitoring their weight uh, and keeping track tend to do better as far as um, reaching their goals and keeping a, a healthier weight. That being said, it can be very detrimental to some people because we can perseverate over the scale. Mm-hmm. We can uh, derail. We can kind of have all these negative thoughts about what's happening. It's absolutely normal to have fluctuations in the scale that are absolutely not reflective of what's happening with adiposity or lean muscle mass. It can have to do with water retention and salt and whether or not you had a bowel movement or not, all kinds of things. And so if, if I have someone who's like really perseverating and uh, kind of beating themselves up over the scale, then that's where I say like, let's back off here. Let's, let's weigh ourselves once a week or once every two weeks, maybe even once a month. And for someone who where they're not necessarily perseverating over it and it's just it's a helpful marker tool for them, then if you want to weigh yourself every day, you can. But um, once a week, I think, is a very nice, reasonable amount of time for most people. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And then do you recommend like in the morning or a particular time of day or just the same time of day, that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, it's probably best as far as having the most continuity with how you're weighing yourself and comparing your, your numbers to do it in the morning. If you have a normal uh, sleep-wake cycle, of course, um, <laughs> but in the morning after you get up, you know, you go to the bathroom and then and then weigh yourself. I think that's a, that's a generally a good time. Okay. Okay. All right. And, um, another question that just popped into my head, how do you feel about things like fitness tracker apps or fitness tracker, any apps or things like that to help folks with weight loss? Yeah. So, so again, it's a bit nuanced because some people tend to do well in that it, it motivates them. They set their goals for their steps or they close their loops, uh, per se. Um, and it really helps to motivate them to, to reach certain goals. Um, for others, again, it can be a bit of an unhealthy relationship because there could be maybe some perseveration over it in an unhealthy Mm -hmm. way. Um, the data hasn't really been robust, uh, about, uh, fitness monitors and trackers, meaning I haven't seen any super convincing data that it makes a significant difference for the majority of, of people as a whole. So again, I think it's an individualized thing. Um, for me personally, I, I like to, um, track things like my heart rate when I'm working out, um, and, and I'm a runner, so I like to see uh, my times and certain paces and things like that. So I find it helpful in that way. Um, but, but I would, again, kind of individualize people for some people, they maybe have never tracked their steps before, and they may not be engaging in planned intentional activity most days of the week. And But if they have a really active job, for example, and they want to start getting an idea about how many steps they're getting in a day, I think that can be helpful because there is maybe some data that shows that that 10,000 steps per day or about five miles per day of activity um, might be kind of a nice threshold to aim for for some people. So um, so individualize it. Do you, do you wear uh, any kind of trackers? I actually do. Yeah. <laughs> I have a yeah. Fitbit. You find it yeah. helpful? I do. I, you know, it's, it's like, it's, in some ways it's great because it's like, oh yeah, I do. I do like it, especially when I'm at work in the hospital Yeah, and I'll yeah. like walk, while I'm walking through and I'm like, okay, let me go take some, some more steps and I can get to 10,000 today. Yeah. Um, at yeah. home sometimes I'm like, oh, it's reminding me again that I haven't <laughs> like gotten up. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So in general, I do like it. And I do like that it tracks my um my my heart rate and like keeps track of like Fitbit can connect to other stuff. Like I have a Peloton and connects to that and all that that stuff. So I find it helpful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but like you said, um individualizing is a, is is important. And I love that because I think especially so much in weight loss, there's so much of a like people kind of want like a magic bullet and I understand that, but it, there is no magic bullet Absolutely of, of weight loss. Absolutely. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what are some common challenges that you see when people are trying to lose weight, whether postpartum or otherwise like challenges or mistakes that people make? Yeah. So I do, I do see just this big rush, like this gigantic hurry. We've, we've touched on this a little bit already. Um, I, and so I think that's a big mistake. You know, it, mm-hmm. I think taking some time to just appreciate what our bodies have done, growing this human, um, giving birth to this human. And we're, it took 
a long time to do that. And and so it's not going to happen overnight uh, for us right. to get to, get, uh, to where we want to be as far as um, whatever that looks like for us. You know, some women are like, I want to get back to my pre-pregnancy body and weight. And, you know, your body's a it's different after you are pregnant, delivered a baby. So, mm-hmm. so again, just having that, that mm-hmm. grace and um, just that patience with yourself as, as you're going through this huge life transition. Um, so realizing it takes time. Yeah. Um, I see um, women not asking for help or support in a very timely manner. So sometimes, mm. you know, I might have someone come to me and they've been dealing um, with postpartum weight retention, um, for, for years after they've given birth and they definitely mark like, Oh, pregnancy and having a child or having multiple children, um, was, was uh, several years ago. And now here I am many years later and and I'm still just not quite where I I was hoping I would be. Mm -hmm. And so they just, they took a long time to ask for help. So asking for help, sooner rather than later, if you feel like you would benefit from that support. And I think most of us really do benefit from that support. Right. And then mistake number three is buying into fad diets and really worthless supplements. Like so many of us want that quick fix, just like what you said. And there's absolutely no data to support that the supplement industry is going to be helpful here. And and there's a lot of concern with that too. And I think you might've even touched based on this at, at some point in time, but you know, supplements are not regulated. And Mm -hmm. so they have a lot of ingredients in them that are not necessarily safe, not necessarily in the, in the amounts that they say that they are in the label and they, there's no evidence to support them. So they're expensive and they could be dangerous and they're not helpful. Yeah. Um, and then the fad diets. So fad diets are, you know, what's the definition of fad, of a fad diet? It's a diet that is not sustainable um, and not consistent with what the evidence shows as far as what is a healthy, uh, you know, eating pattern. And there's no one size fits all for what a healthy eating pattern is for everybody. Like we're not like everybody should be on this meal plan. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that we want to be on a meal plan that is sustainable for us. It's a, it's our lifestyle. It's not a crash and burn fat mm-hmm. diet that gets quick results, but then is not sustainable. And so results in weight regain later. Yep. 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 All, all great, great pieces of advice. So when should someone, you know, you talk about getting help. When should someone see someone like you? When should they see an obesity medicine specialist? We certainly at, at this point in time in this juncture of our specialty tend to see patients who have a BMI of over 30. Um, so that's in the class one obesity category. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's a great thing because I, I do think that physicians in general, especially those who specialize in this field, we need to be uh, thinking more about preventative medicine mm-hmm. too, right? So I'd like to be seeing uh, patients uh, when there's weight gain happening um, at, at BMIs that are, that are more in maybe the overweight category, maybe even sooner. So we want some, we want to start doing preventative, but most of the time when patients come and see me that their BMI is 30 or greater, and most of the time they have a specific goal in mind. So, um, speaking to this particular podcast and what we're talking about, the data really is, uh, going more towards, maybe outcomes for maternal and infant health are more strongly correlated with pre-pregnancy BMI Mm. versus gestational weight gain or even postpartum weight retention. And so in a perfect world, I would see someone like some, a a woman who might be planning pregnancy in the future, 
um, but who wants to optimize um, her health and wellness prior to becoming pregnant, that would be the the best time yeah. to actually come and see someone like me. If 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 you're someone who struggles with weight, um, and then after that, that being said, after that you can you can really come and see me at any time. But mostly, I see patients um, who have a BMI of over thirty and are looking um, to optimize um, and and lose weight for for health reasons or for, for other gotcha, reasons. Gotcha. And then what should someone kind of expect when working with you or as someone who specializes in, in obesity medicine and weight management? Yeah, you can expect a pretty comprehensive evaluation because we know that weight metabolism, weight loss, it's really, really complicated. Um, I, I have never once heard somebody say weight loss is so easy. <laughs> weight loss and weight loss maintenance is so easy. You just live in a society and a culture that which does not necessarily promote the healthiest of lifestyles. And so it's not easy. And um, so you can expect a really comprehensive evaluation because weight and metabolism is tied to so many things. It's tied to our nutrition. It's tied to our sleep. It's tied to our physical activity. It's tied to our genetics. Um, it's tied to our mental health. Um, so we go through all of these things with a fine tooth comb. And um, you can expect to be focusing on baby steps. So James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. And I've been talking about um, his book and his podcast with Brene Brown a lot because it's really phenomenal information. Um, just how we can approach um, goal setting and uh, attaining habits in our lives, and and it's no different with with health and weight management. So we're looking for baby steps. He talks a lot about. Um, instead of trying to uh, come up with these super lofty and gigantic goals, that instead we want to be thinking about um, baby steps in order to kind of accomplish um, these small steps in the direction of where we want to go that over time add up to really big changes. Um, so you can expect baby steps. Um, mm -hmm. You can usually expect to see one of uh, the dietitians that I work with. Um, not all of my patients see my dietitians, but but a lot of them do because having that one-on-one -on -one dietitian support can be obviously super helpful for um, getting onto a meal plan that's going to work for your personal preferences, your tastes, your lifestyle. Um, and then you can expect a conversation about pharmacotherapies if that's of interest to you. So, um we we don't use pharmacotherapies as often as we mm. should be utilizing them in uh, in the management of weight. This is a bit of a, a more tricky situation in the postpartum period because we don't want to start a medication that's going to um, be secreted in breast milk and right. be contraindicated in breastfeeding. Um, but there's definitely some women who would qualify for pharmacotherapy that can be super helpful. Sometimes we have this really, really high degree of appetite and hunger that can really respond well to a pharmacotherapy and help us to reach our goals in that way. You know, they don't work by themselves. They always need to be combined with uh, lifestyle change. But, sure. but if, if there is a, a consideration for pharmacotherapy, then definitely that's a part of the conversation. Um, and then last but not least, um, there's also uh, potentially a conversation about, about surgery, met metabolic mm. surgery, um, if and when uh, someone is interested in that. Um, that's one of our most effective tools um, 
for weight loss and weight loss maintenance. Gotcha. 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 Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. And then, um, can you, can you say a word about hormones? And I kind of chuckle because (laughs) I hear, we hear so much about like, oh, hormones are messed up and that, and can I get my hormones checked and balanced and this, that, and the other. And we as gynecologists are always like, I don't know who keeps talking about (laughs) checking hormones, but like, what what can you say about hormones? Cause there's not like a, a, panel that we do or anything, but that like language is out there. So what what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) That language is absolutely out there. And it's, it's not language that came from the endocrinology field. So an endocrinologist specializes in hormones. Um, this, this is, uh, this is what we do. Um, and, and that kind of language didn't come from our profession. I I think it came maybe more from the alternative medicine type Mm -hmm. of world. So it does kind of come across as kind of like, well, you know, what do you mean by balancing hormones? So, you know, to an endocrinologist, we are going to do a thorough assessment and um, a thorough review of systems. And then we're going to be looking for um, hormone problems based off of those things, family history and all that kind of stuff too. So, so when I have an evaluation and, and we're, I'm definitely thinking about hormones as an endocrinologist, um, I'm looking for, uh, things that are pretty rare actually, but, but Cushing's disease and excess of cortisol, um, acromegaly or gigantism and excess of growth hormone, um, PCOS uh, type of uh, physiology or, or clinical presentation. I'm looking for those things when I have mm-hmm. someone who is carrying excess weight and wants to lose weight. Thyroid, um, definitely looking for thyroid dysfunction. 
Um, but none of these things, uh, Dr. Rankins, are, are necessarily things that I find that often in my evaluation. I'm definitely looking for them. We definitely want to address it if there's a hormone deficiencies or hormonal excess. They do contribute to weight. It is a part of the factor. They do need to be considered. But I would say the vast majority of the time, we, we don't find a diagnosable hormonal problem that is causing weight gain or that is preventing weight loss. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up, what are some things or um, that you feel like you've learned personally from your own weight journey and postpartum weight journey? Yeah. So I have learned that I need to practice what I preach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't we all? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely found myself at times just getting really impatient with myself and be like, well, I thought by now I'd be at this particular uh, juncture in my journey, you know, and um, I thought by now I would be at this specific weight or, you know, whatever it is. And so I have many, many times had to be like, no, Katie, uh, that's, that's not how this journey is going to go. Right. Um, um, so, so practicing what I preach, what I preach and being patient with myself has been a, a huge, uh, part of my journey so far. Um, I had already, uh, kind of mentioned the, the being a bit surprised by how my appetite had changed with breastfeeding. So, yeah. so I, I, I learned to have, um, some more empathy, I think, for that and saying like all the changes in appetite that we experience through pregnancy in the postpartum period um, is it's a big deal. And it, it's definitely uh, something to consider here. Again, going along with being patient with yourself, your, mm-hmm. your body's giving you those hunger cues for a reason. You're uh, you're making milk for your for your baby. Um, and then things that that um, I think a lot of women deal with as as far as just time management and um, having things at home that you can do while your baby's napping. If you're not going to take a nap too, mm-hmm. like um, some home exercise equipments or some home videos some gentle yoga um, or some ways in which you can try to go for a walk. Um, just things that at home that you can do that are going to help you to move your body, uh, but not necessarily have to have some, a caretaker come and take care of your child or your baby or, or go to the gym or something like that. I fully support all of that as far as moving your body, but having ways, especially with the COVID pandemic, having Mm -hmm. ways where you can move your body at home, um, is, is really helpful. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause like you said, every, every bit counts. Yep, exactly. Okay. So what's the most frustrating part of your work? Yes. One of the most frustrating things is, is, uh, having patients come to me who have already spent maybe quite a bit of money on the supplement yeah. industry, the the fad diet industry. It's a you know, multi-million dollar industry yep. and, and it's so tempting. It's so tempting. Um, but I, I just find that really frustrating because, you know, it's, it's not helpful. Agree. Um, yeah. and, and people spend a lot of money on it too. So it's just, um, hopefully uh, things like this uh, can help kind of get the word out that, that it's just, it's not the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I would say, um, I do get frustrated with just kind of the, the lack of, of general education as far as, uh, physicians go who don't necessarily specialize in this kind of, there is some mis- misinformation out there, mm-hmm. um, or, or people, even physicians who might just be a proponent of one particular 
meal plan, like, um, you know, ketogenic meal plan has been popularized uh, the last several years. And, and some people might feel like, well, the only way to go is low carb. And sometimes physicians perpetuate those kinds of myths as well. And I'm not faulting, you know, in medical school, I think we need to do a better job of, of just educating about nutrition and weight metabolism in general. But um, those things have been kind of a frustrating um, in my career, but I think it's getting better. So that's the good news. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. So on the flip side, then what's the most rewarding part of your work? I can imagine, but what do you think is the most rewarding part? Yeah. The most rewarding part is, is when, um, patients, I've been seeing patients for a while and they're making progress, they're reaching their goals and they're just getting healthier. So, um, I want to emphasize that it's not about the scale weight. It's more about what is your health and what is your well-being. And so especially patients who um, have seen a really significant improvement in things like blood sugars or blood pressure or cholesterol, or they are seeing a big improvement in how they move their body before mm-hmm. they might have uh, not been able to physically do the things that they wanted to do, especially with their kids. And now they're, they can uh, physically be active as they want to be. And, and those are just an improvement in health and well-being is the most rewarding part of my work. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that. I love that. So what is your favorite piece of advice that you would give to expectant moms? Mm. I want expectant moms to um, to be kind to themselves and to be patient and to practice gratitude. Yes. And, um, and to take baby steps. So realize that things are not going to change quickly. It's going to take time. And just take those baby steps in the direction in which you want to go. Awesome. Yep. This it's it's a, like all of these things are so connected in our our lives. Like gratitude, patience. Whether you're working on weight, whether you're trying to work on your mental health, whether you're you know your job, all of these things are important and connected. So it just sounds like you're you know you, this is another place to take a holistic approach to things and and just be kind to yourself in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So where can people find you? Do you do telehealth like all over or where, where, who, what type of patients can you see and where can people find you? Yeah. So I, as of right now, I am um, doing telemedicine through Good Samaritan in Oregon. So um, patients in Oregon can, can find me at Good Samaritan. Um, and I am on Instagram. My handle is Jane KJB, J-A-N-E-K-J-B. I have not been as active on social media since I had a baby. <laughs> um, but but yes, I am on Instagram. Okay. All right. All right. Awesome. And I think it's um, it's really interesting. I wasn't expecting that you would do telehealth, but I think that that's a great option. We're, we're headed in that direction in medicine in general. I think the pandemic has helped us see that we should definitely be expanding options. So I'm I'm you know, hopeful that even more folks will be able to see you from different places as, uh, as we keep, keep chugging along and making sure we have like options that are available for, for folks. Yeah, it, it is one of the, the few things that came out of the pandemic that was a, a benefit, I think, for medicine. A lot of hospitals, as you know, had to really adapt quickly and telemedicine is one of those things that, yep. um, that's been really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, well, thank you again so much for coming on. I so, so appreciate your time. I just want to again, say how awesome your podcast is. I think you're doing amazing work. I listened to a lot of your podcasts (laughs) while I was pregnant. Very, very informative. 
I learned so much and just became a really big fan. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Wasn't that a great conversation? So much insightful information there. And I hope, and I know actually, it's gonna help you on your postpartum weight loss journey. This is information that I wish I would have known when I was going through my postpartum weight loss journey. Okay, you know after every episode when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. And before I get into my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Dr. Katie Brown, let me tell you a bit about our episode supporter, Bamboobies. Bamboobies puts moms first. It was created by a real-life mom who was frustrated at the lack of reusable and comfortable nursing pads. However, Nursing pads are not the only thing that they have. They also have a great yoga nursing bra. Their best-selling yoga bra has a stylish racer back design that offers all-day comfort. It's a wardrobe essential for a breastfeeding mom or a mama-to-be. It's created, again, with that ultra-soft rayon material that they use. It is a renewable bamboo fabric, and bamboo is great for the environment because it grows really quickly, so it's sustainable. You can easily nurse your baby using the nursing clasp and drop down cups with removable pads. There's a seamless design that stretches to fit your changing body, but it still holds its shape. Very easy to care for, wash it with warm water, dry it with low heat or air dry, and it's sized all the way from extra small to double XL. Head to bamboobies.com and use the code ALLABOUT to get 40% off full price items valid through October 23rd. That's bamboobies, B-A-M-B-O-O-B-I-E-S.com. The code is all about A-L-L-A-B-O-U-T and get 40% off. Okay, let's get into Dr. Nicole's notes from my conversation with Dr. Brown. Number one, F the snapback, y'all. Don't fall for the tricks on Instagram and social media of I'm back in my size, whatever jeans, three seconds after I had a baby. Dr. Brown said 12 weeks before you even think about your weight management. You need to get breastfeeding established first, just kind of settle into being a new mother. So please don't feel like you have to go into that snap back culture. Slow and steady wins the race. And when you start, make sure you use an individualized approach. A one size fits all approach is not going to work. Make sure it's holistic, takes into account your lifestyle and the things that work for you. And just remember, there's no quick fixes for this. I wish there were, we all wish there were, but you really want to set yourself up with lifestyle changes that you can actually maintain. So F the snapback, slow and steady, rinse the race. Don't think about even thinking about Uh, weight loss after a baby until 12 weeks. Okay, number two, optimize your health as best you can before you are pregnant or even in between pregnancies, okay? Optimize your health before you're pregnant or even in between pregnancies. I know it can be challenging, but it really is ideal if you can be in the best health that you can before you get pregnant. It just makes um, things better for you and your baby. You know, I'm not saying that you have to be at a perfect weight, even losing 10% 
of your body weight can make a difference in your pregnancy. So you don't have to be at a perfect weight, but just getting down a bit can be helpful. And even if you don't go into one pregnancy as healthy as you want, you can certainly in between pregnancies get healthy. In episode um, 61 of the podcast, Emily shared her birth story. And that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 61, where her first pregnancy was relatively unhealthy. And then in between, she really took a proactive role and like got completely healthy in between pregnancies. That's a really great inspiring story. And you can hear the differences in her pregnancies because she got healthy the second time around. Again, that is episode 61 of the podcast. So do your best to optimize your health before pregnancies or even between pregnancies. Okay. Number three, don't downplay the things that you're doing. This is something that I'm guilty of a lot where I'm like sort of minimizing things or not recognizing the wins, even if the wins are small. Don't downplay what you're doing. If you're walking more, that counts. If you're parking away from the store, so you have to walk into the store, that counts. So don't downplay the things that you're doing as little things. All of it counts. All of it adds up a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. That makes a difference in your health. So take pride in your wins and celebrate them. Okay, and then the last one is ask for help and not help just with weight management. She mentioned that she would hopes that you know people would come in sooner. Don't just ask for help for weight management. Ask for help with things in general. Ask for help when you have a new baby. Ask for help with meals. Ask for help with shopping. Um, ask for gift cards to DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever it is. Don't be afraid to ask for help and seek it out in areas where you you don't have expertise. Now, one place I can help you for sure, in addition to this podcast, is with my online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. The birth preparation course gets you calm, confident, and empowered to have the most beautiful hospital birth. You can check out all the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. And it's not just the content in the course. It also comes with a great supportive community where you can bounce off questions. You can connect with other people through your pregnancy and the postpartum period as well. So check out all the details of the course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, so there you have it. Please share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring, and it helps me to reach and serve more pregnant folks. That is my heart, soul, and passion. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. I love what you hear. I love what you have to say about the show. I love what you hear too, right? Because I make the content. All right. Also, come follow me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. And I'm also dabbling in the TikToks these days. <laughs> so I'm on TikTok and Dr. Nicole Rankins. I will say that Instagram is where I hang out the most for sure. But if you want to catch some of my content on TikTok, you can follow me there as well. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week. And remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.